Hello, Heron. Hi, Tom. So I have an extraordinarily long list of possible <laughs> topics here. And I was wondering if you had any topics to kick us off. Oh, well, a couple have just come to me as I was sitting here. Always uh, good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, this must be the third or fourth time I've brought it up. But this is the first time I can ever really remember being taken by a font. <laughs> You know. I edited out those uh, previous Taken by a Font conversations because they were in the order of 30 to 40 minutes of pure f- font nerdery. Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I don't care. I, but it, it, to me, it, it's kind of significant because I, I've fallen in love with this Helvetica Noia. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm trying to think why. You know, it's, it's a fucking font, you know? And I've always liked um, serif fonts for mm-hmm. some reason. I, that's just, you know. And I'm not sure whether it's this retina display, whether that that's probably has something to do with it. But uh, I, in any case, uh, you know, when Apple switched to it, I didn't give it much thought and didn't, but for somehow, anyway, it, it's just taken me now, you know, and I, and I love it. Every time I look at the screen, I think, yeah, that's a nice font. <laughs> it's just very strange. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all. Folks, I've condensed <laughs> what was 40 minutes previously of edited audio, maybe two, three recordings ago into, uh, into that <laughs> rumination. Thank you, Heron. For the condensed version. <laughs> the Reader's Digest of Heronstone Thoughts. You have another topic. I suspect they're probably the topics that are on your list, so... <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to throw one out? Well, certainly, uh, we got two uh, letters, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I was really impressed with. And uh, and want to thank Mike and Thomas for mm-hmm. for writing so honestly, and um, I, I just, uh, I was moved by it. Yes, I thought it was, uh, I've had correspondence with Mike King previously. In fact, I've, I've shouted him out in a couple of previous episodes yeah. as being a, a really good listener to have. But yeah. I hadn't had any exposure to Thomas previously, and it struck me, particularly because he is 20... Yeah. He is the perfect age. He, he is the guy. Well, no, it's a little late. It should have started when he was eight. I mean, certainly, but, but, uh, it's not too late. Yeah. He's at, a, he's in a great place. Epistemological beggars cannot be choosers in these circumstances. <laughs> well, and, and actually, like, you know, one of the first things you become aware of as you become more aware is just how unaware you are. Exactly. <laughs> and it feels bad. But it's a huge step forward. Mm. And then when you realize that it's a step forward, that it doesn't feel quite so bad. But, I mean, it can. You know, our whole culture sort of uh, frowns upon that. (laughs) You know, we're all sort of going around pretending just how much we've got our shit together, you know. Yes. And to to openly express and be aware of just how fucked up you are mm. <laughs> is is just such a high thing. You know, I mean, I it's taken me years to really get clear about just how fucked up I am. Certainly, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think the the seed element of understanding how little you know, and moreover, how much that you've been told 
should just be discarded, almost like an unneeded it's you know, toenail. A, it, in this culture, like it's really difficult to do. I mean, there's just nothing to support that attitude. Well, this fits into a Joe the, jo- the Drummer discussion we'll have a little bit later, but I, I don't like... I don't know. I mean, you are right that a majority of the population in the given society will have that view, but I don't like to presuppose that everyone... We'll no, not idea. no. It's a percentage. No, yeah. I, I think it's around you know ninety five to ninety eight percent, something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, or and and that's just what I know in South California. It may be vastly different in other parts of the world. Mm. If you start with the assumption that people are missing certain components or are basically missing everything to start off with, then you. Oftentimes we'll state it, and then if you're in the ability, if you are in the person's presence, you can watch how their eyes move or these kind of things. <laughs> but what we have done here, and this is, I think, an important format decision that we have made with Stone Ape, is we start at a level that's certainly considerably higher than the standard operating assumption associated with a brain damaged language monkey, with the oh, view yeah. that if yeah. someone doesn't understand and then they explore, they will discover and create a wide variety of permutations in their own thinking. And rather than kind of starting off with a base level where we assume our audience isn't, you know, isn't aware of these elements, we just talk about these elements as if they're, you know, epistemological. Robert, you and I are having our conversation. Certainly. And and that's, that's the domain we operate in. Without question. Yeah. I've, not necessarily made a career out of speaking up to people, but I will not dumb down a majority of the stuff that I talk about. If someone asks, yeah, I don't sure. mind reverting no, to those principles and rebuilding it. Yeah, but I think in order to in order to not necessarily maintain a standard, but in order to give a perspective on what the you know what the norm is in order to entertain a, a yeah. level of discourse. In particular, when you're dealing with a variety of quite complex topics, I think it's important to start at a particular level. And then if people come along, and this is important because we are potentially having an influx of people who are listening to this podcast. Uh, I wouldn't get our, I wouldn't get our hopes up on that. (laughs) I was, I was, I was exchanging. Listen, if we get a couple, that would be great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Couple good people who can make contributions and ask difficult questions. All right. (laughs) In fact, I was having a correspondence with Lorenzo today associated with whether putting up your journals or the talk shoe feed or these kind of things would be applicable to someone who came from our discussion. And I ebbed and flowed, but came to the conclusion that if they came to the Stonate podcast and the Stonate Facebook group first, that would at least start a discussion where we could point them in the direction of the talk shoe feed. We could point them in the direction of the journals if they so felt. Although we do have that audio discussion in this podcast recording, including a series of kind of summarized versions of the journal um, through the feed as well. So, I, I mean, my perspective has always been do not – if when you start with assumptions, when you're, when you are viewing a group, particularly a group that you haven't surveyed, it is often better to start with a above average perspective associated yeah. with with the view that you then set. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. Yes, you know if you're. I mean that. Yeah, I agree 
except when I'm doing sort of therapeutic work. Well, when you're doing one on one, you know yeah, immediately. One on one's a whole yeah. different thing. You know, yeah. you've got to deal with the person in front of you, wherever yes. they are, and try yeah. to move it forward from there. But what we're doing here. Well, sometimes we go back and explain things. Certainly, typically you know, based on people's questions. But yeah, the yeah. feedback that I've received in vast majority associated with these recordings is that the listeners really respect the fact that we take it to a, a higher okay. level than you would typically find in kind of general discourse yeah. or accessible discourse well, that ain't associated saying with these. Much. <laughs> I know, damning with faint praise here, Heron. But I think we've we've set that standard and. My perspective is if folks are coming to this and they have a series of questions, by all means, put them in the Stonate Facebook group yeah. because that's the place. Well, if, they're, if they are, well, like these new people, if they're regular uh, psychedelic salon listeners, then, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see, yeah. you know. You, I mean, you'd, you'd always, you're, would already assume a certain standard from that. Oh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, just because you take drugs doesn't necessarily well, mean a lot. I don't think everyone in the psychedelic salon listener base takes drugs as well. well. I think it's about the psychology, not the pharmacology. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I'm not familiar enough with it to <laughs> make a comment. But I wanted to, I wanted to dig into one of Thomas's. Well, what I saw as Thomas's primary question through his explanation of, um, you know, what what we are doing here, and that related to how to minimize. The survival component of your life. Well, that well, I wouldn't say that's boiled it down to, but that's a fundamental that's, question. Yes, to deal out of all the yeah. things, I thought if we can tackle yeah. this with a certain degree yeah. of depth, we will be doing yeah. a lot for Thomas. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty good at that. You've, you've made a lifetime. <laughs> I've I've mastered that <laughs> yes. pretty much. You've you also know? had remarkable luck, and I was and, thinking uh, yeah, about and that's this. that was yeah. that's the first place to start. It really helps if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Because you and I, on a number of these kind of life path decisions, have taken completely different turns. Absolutely. And ended up in yeah, different Yeah, no, I got to admit, yeah, I mean, I might have, yeah, I'm just the fucking luckiest guy in the world. You know? <laughs> so that's my advice, Thomas, is be as lucky as you can be. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hesitant to advocate the Heronstone method of uh, discarding life, health, and general other forms of... Uh, you know, yeah, survival yeah, insurance. But that's the that. choice I made, and it yeah. was scary as fucking hell. Yeah. I'll tell you, it was scary. Knowing, you know, well, yeah, it's just, it's so unsup. And yet, that's, that's how most of the people in the world live. Mm. <laughs> you know, they don't have health insurance. Well, I was thinking they about get sick, this. They die. Yeah, I was thinking about this today associated with positions where I have taken risks, in particular, positions where I've taken risk and had substantial failure or at least some failure and had to rebuild from that yeah, yeah. and it is interesting great, because a great teacher <laughs> yes it is interesting because i reflect on what we do here as being one of i mean one of the long-term enjoyments that i've had through doing this discussion is that you and i basically can eternally spar on a variety of different topics and with relative <laughs> consistency yeah, yeah. Most of my intellectual endeavours, I mean, let's use Noble Ape as an example here, have had a frequency of participation of others at most at about three years. Yeah. And in most cases, actually, it's kind of three to six month period where you're never really <laughs> sure whether the other party has your back and it's all. Yeah. And then they disappear. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that we've been talking for as long as we have 
is a unique uh, experience in my life. I you know, I mean, at this yeah. level, you yeah. know, uh, I mean, yeah. I've known people. I've one friend, you know, but uh, yeah, this is a, a sort of unique situation. The odd couple of yeah. a sort. <laughs> An odd couple. Yeah. Excuse me. I've taken a couple of days off work, primarily because I worked through the kind of holiday New Year period pretty solidly. And yesterday was all detoxing, actually. It was very strange that I had to have a day of detoxification of work. And today has been rather interesting as well. I walked into the city and went through San Jose State University and did a variety of explorations through this period. But the thing that I was reflecting upon is actually taking intellectual risks and even taking intellectual survival risks and how one can work one's way through that. Because I think there are many levels of survival. You have maximized your survival associated with almost a monastic lifestyle. Oh, not almost. <laughs> That's uh, how I see myself really as a monk. Well, yes. You know, it's, it's, I live in a cell. Certainly. And, Certainly. Uh, and, li- and really you don't need that much. You need a roof over mm-hmm. your head. You need transportation. Mm-hmm. You need food and, and clothes. Mm-hmm. And I would argue in almost all circumstances aside from Los Angeles. Yeah. You transportation, you can minimize transportation costs by living in particular areas. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of, well, it's just that you need, these are the things that need to be covered in survival issues. And depending upon where you live and your own personal proclivities and all that stuff, you don't need much. Yeah. I've, I've been, you know, it's just, yeah, I've been lucky. You know, it's just that. If I'd gotten sick, I've, I've been staggeringly healthy most yeah. of my life. And, you know, uh, but if I'd gotten some sort of weird sickness that put me out of work for a couple of months, well, I would have been homeless, mm. you know, I, or I probably would have died. You know, yeah. I probably wouldn't have been here, yeah. you know. Now, I fully anticipate somewhere through my 40s or 50s just dropping dead. I mean, I yeah. think that's the... <laughs> that's yeah. the, the I've been lucky to do what I've done up until this period, yeah. and it's all gravy, basically. Yeah, I could never see myself uh, past about forty, mm. you know, until I got to be forty. You know, but I mean, I, yeah. it's just like that was just of no consequence, really. You know, uh, it was. Well, it's weird when I look back on it now. You know, I uh, it was a I made some rash moves. Mm. <laughs> You know, but like I said, I'm lucky. Mm. So yeah, the the notion of survival through this and minimizing, yeah. you know, concentrating on survival things, you know, going to a job, these kind of things, yeah. it really should be meted by the kind of work you see yourself doing. In terms of your life, not work as in... You don't mean survival work. You mean, I mean, mean oh, you're exactly. pro- what the hell are you doing exactly. on this planet? Exactly. Well, see, that's the thing. That If you don't have that, yeah. then the survival shit uh, really becomes drudgery. Yes. If you're surviving for no other reason yeah. than to go to work at a job you don't like... So maybe the first step for Thomas <laughs> is to... And this is never... I mean, I'm very, very... Well, rare. Thomas already got that handled. 
he's trying to figure it out. Well, that's I guess that acknowledgement <laughs> is the first point. Yeah, yeah. My perspective is to be at that place again. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm taking your view. Yeah. To be at that place in twenty is almost a little too late. But he could do the well, work. Certainly. Oh well, certainly. But to be at that place at all, if you're sixty certainly. and you're in that place, yeah. you're doing yeah. good. <laughs> the younger you are, the yeah. better you're doing. Yeah. And to be twenty. And to be uh, as fucked up as you are, Thomas, is and to be conscious of how fucked up you are is so unfucked up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a high place yeah. to, to to be in. It may be uncomfortable. Well, yeah. damn right, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but survival. You need a you need a roof. You need food. You need computer and communications and transportation and clothing and you know the, the basic things. And how you figure that out, you know, I mean, uh, you don't need your own house. You don't need your own apartment. You can rent a room in somebody's house. You can have roommates. Uh, that's not a good thing for me. But some people can I advocate that. I mean, that's never been a good well, thing for me. Well, some people can yeah. do that, you know, but yeah, uh, it's not my style. It limits your creative freedom in some regard. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just having other people's space impinging. I mean, if you're a monk, mm. see, that's the thing for me is, and what Tom was talking about is, why the hell are you on this planet? Mm. It, the, the clearer you get about that, the rest of the stuff get gets easier to deal with you know mm. you're you know so there's a reason to figure these things out because you do have to figure these things out you you need to have some money and let well unless you can figure out some other way you know you need to figure out housing clothing food transportation mm. and information it's interesting okay. though when one makes those choices i mean for folks listening in i started developing noble ape when i was 19 but i had already I'd already done a lot of stuff by that period of time. I'd already written antiviral software and done a variety of things. So I knew how I could minimize the cost of my living, which is what I did for a few years to get how out of that Australia. minimize your cost of living? That maximizes your about a, the amount of money you can make. No. Well, no, actually, it reduces the amount of money you need to make in order to survive. I don't understand the connection between being a, a software writer and that cutting your costs of survival. Okay, so let's let's do a noble ape from the ground up here, Heron. Well, let's go back to first principles. When I started, well, even prior to developing noble ape, I was relatively self-sufficient. In fact, through a variety of things, mainly writing antiviral software and then writing research physics software, I had a reasonable income, but it still wasn't a reasonable income sufficient to, you know survive like oh like normal people yeah but well, yeah okay yeah. actually i made no i made i made well above the minimum wage through what i was doing through that period yeah. of time well, how much more than that do you need well <laughs> the cost of living where i lived was very high and this is the difficulty that i think a lot of people face is that if you minimize if you live in a place where your cost of living is virtually nothing you might encounter things that will create additional nonsense for you to deal with. I have to, I experience that currently. You know, we found a place which we could afford, we purchased the place, and we are in a kind of transitional ghetto situation with people stealing packages and a wide variety of other yeah. crazy business going on. Yeah. Oh, there's more we haven't heard about, huh? Well, I don't know, it's just general existence here. So yeah. I, I guess my perspective It's language is, monkeys! Without question. <laughs> having said that, 
I certainly realised, particularly in my late teens and early 20s, that I was probably healthier and able to stay up well past, you know, 2, 3 a.m. and do what I need to do. The quality of the intensity of my work through that period of time which is acknowledged. I mean, Einstein yeah. did his best work through that period of time. Yeah. A majority of the kind of startups get people in at that period of time. Apple, yeah. for the longest time, recruited people through that age group and spat them out when they were in their mid-twenties. I mean, it's well known <laughs> yeah. that this the, the period of time in your early twenties, from probably your mid-teens for certain, to yeah. your early twenties, yeah. yeah. for a good majority of folk, is yeah. going to be the most productive and insightful period of time in your life. And you probably... Yeah. If you're in that age group, look to maximize what you can do through that period of time. Now, I had a wide variety of societal burdens, like getting a university degree and all this other crap. And my perspective was, because that was adjunct to what I was doing with Noble Ape and also my working, um, that, you know, that was just something that was a tax on me. Yeah. But I made sure that I had, I invested my energy into no blape and I invested, yeah. you know, a portion of my energy into working for survival. And these things kind of accumulated to uh, a kind of critical yeah. mass. Yeah. And that, you're right. And those are the choices yes. that he has to make. Exactly. You know, exactly those choices. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people can tolerate. Uh, less luxury than others, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think if I, you can minimize luxury for any length of time, if you have, like, a defining piece of work or a project or a vision that you want to complete, that is probably, particularly when you're in your, you know, late teens and early 20s, I would certainly say double down on that and yeah. do that as much as possible. Well, I would say that that things have changed so much since I was that age mm. that I'm not sure I I can say much about it because the world is so different now. Certainly. But I just I, I admire Thomas. Uh, I wish I had could have been as conscious as he is when I was his age. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so that's about that's about all I can say. About yeah. It. But yeah. Thomas, we no doubt have not answered your question. So please do well, I think we did because there, the answer is you're going to have to figure it out, mm. you know, uh, and you can certainly use some of the principles you've learned here in order to try to figure it out. But the basic issues are a roof over your head, transportation, information, food, clothing. What is there anything else? Well, I would, I minimize transportation. In fact, well, I, and I'm just yeah. saying it has to be handled. I yeah. mean, maybe a bicycle uh, and mm-hmm. going three blocks to the general store, whatever it is, you need to get around. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be handled. You need to be able to get the stuff you need to survive and do it in a way that leaves you sufficient time to pursue your real reason for being here. Yes. And, and finding that out, well, is, is your job. <laughs> so Mike King asked for a series of topics which yeah. I think we are organically going to cover probably in the next few recordings. Yeah. I couldn't find aside from a discussion associated with carbon footprints. Yeah. Much that I thought we weren't going to cover probably in the next two or three recordings anyway. Oh, you've already got the next two or three planned out. Well, these are topics that we return to. I mean, what Mike yeah. has in fact focused on is reoccurring familiar topics. Yeah. Which no doubt are going to be discussed in some form 
going yeah. forward. I mean, they are like the yeah. underlying themes. See, I don't. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I I really enjoyed his. I think the questions he brought up are precisely the questions that need to be uh, generally uh, occurring in a pop in the population. We need to be addressing these issues. I don't know what the answers to them are. This this issue about population density and 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 uh, just how that. I think there are probably technologies coming that will mm. change the the equations. Mm. Uh, I think the goal is to live as high a, an existence as we can with an with zero negative impact on the planet. Mm. Okay, and and if our technology allows us to do that while being spread thinly across the planet in small communities, great. I'll, I don't I don't really care. I think I think those are just personal choices. You can live any damn way you want to. The mm. question is, <laughs> what can we do? Uh, in a, in a way that really is sustainable. And for right now, to me, it looks like density is the answer. Yeah. Whereas uh, I think I'm yeah. more with Mike King. And my perspective is because I've had additional correspondence with Mike King. Yeah. Who, amongst other things, I think has a farming background and he can post more on that. Yeah. But so he has a perspective that is very similar to mine that actually the feeding of humans and the way in which humans distribute themselves and although you're a you know you're a fan of soil and purple, I mean that has to be made somewhere, right? Sure, yeah, the soil and purple factory. Yes, and it'd probably take four or five people to make enough food to feed the planet. Well, you'd hope that were the case. Yeah. Yes. If if the individuals, as part of whatever perspective one might have, learnt how they could feed themselves. Then it would be a different. Well, that, well that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, new technology could change everything. Mm. I, I, that's why I, I, I don't really have fixed opinions. I mean, I've got my opinions based on what I know today. Yeah. Whereas I take a view which Mike King seems to be echoing, which is it's in fact returning to certain old technologies that may improve certain aspects. Like what? I'll give you an example. Do you want to spend time growing your own food? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then fine. Go live with uh, Mike. I don't. Here's an interesting point, Tara. Through the week, and we will return to this, I have been doing some uh, ancestral digging. And one of the photos which I find really extraordinary is my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather. My great-great-grandfather was a huge man. He's physically, in terms of being tall, he physically dwarfs his son. His hands are large, his feet are large, he is a big man holding a very small boy in the photograph. And what fascinates me is he's wearing thick leather boots. You can tell he has come from a culture which is considerably <laughs> more primitive than his son, who is a city dweller with shirt and tie, and, you know, he looks yeah. considerably more kempt than this kind of bearded, craggly old fellow. Yeah. But what you appreciate through that is the, the hardship that the father has seen yeah. and experienced has actually shaped him and probably made him healthier than his city-dwelling son. Well, that's a whopping assumption. Well, you see... <laughs> healthier in certain ways, I would agree, but he might be far unhealthier in some other ways, too. So, Well, uh, that's interesting, because I guess we associate... Underdevelopment Certainly physical labor things like it, that, yes. is good for your body. Exactly. That's clear. You know, and yeah, my perspective is that if you grow your food... 
And if physical labor is required associated with... Listen, if people like that, I have no problem with it. I'm not interested in spending my life uh, dealing with survival needs. I want my Soylent Purple, thank you, and I want to get on. But that's your own programming. That is is something that as a society going forward, unless there is a perspective... That's my programming and your programming. Exactly. So 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 that's what I'm saying. I don't think we need yet to... to solve this for everybody. Without question. You know, uh, it, I think there's probably room for, for all of it. Mm. But we're going to need the technology to do it if we're going to do it in a sustainable way that's not going to damage the ecosystem. That, that's my bottom well, line. The Soylent Purple Factory has to have those properties. Yes, of course. There are certain means of agriculture that have existed for it generations. It have to be agriculture. Who knows how we could create Certainly. It. We may, you know, with genetic engineering, we may be able to make it out of some sort of bacteria or something. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of that, how's your wine glass looking? Uh, pretty dry. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, that's one of the topics I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I heard a screw lid, which makes me think that... Uh, oh, you can hear all of that. Wow. Yes, which makes wow. me think that you are consuming the new Yes, Sunset I decided Blush. to start off with the new Sunset Blush. Very good. And I looked for a couple hours, I looked around for my corkscrew. It doesn't need it. And I finally found it. <laughs> and then I discovered it's got a screw-off cap. Yes. <laughs> Fooled me. This is uh, significantly different. That's this what is, I suspected. This is much more of a wine. Ah. The smell is almost harsh compared to the oh. other. The other one doesn't even have a smell, really. It, uh, this is uh, quite volatile. Interesting. And, um, and much more alcoholic tasting. Mm. But, and I've just started, this is the second. I, I really didn't like the first couple sips because i was you know accustomed to what i've been using (laughs) and uh but now after i finished that first glass which was a very small glass about a third full (laughs) just to wet your whistle so to speak i can just say it's just very different more like probably a real wine drinker wouldn't be embarrassed to drink this so the interesting thing for folks listening in who may have completely lost the whole special I looked up Sunset Blush, and originally, um, and the name escapes me that the Sunset, the brand of the Sunset Blush that you normally drink. Oh, there's a couple of them, uh, but it's. Oh, you drink a couple. Okay. Yeah. Um... Interesting. In any case, let's move on from that. The entry level Sunset Blush was so ridiculously cheap that I thought even if I bought a four pack, it would be offensive as a birthday gift. So I then looked, thought to myself, and I going into this, I hadn't realized Sunset Blush was actually a kind well, of Well, th- that surprised me, too. I, I fully expect that was just uh, some trademark name that uh, somebody, but uh, like I say, because hmm. a couple, well, but a couple of different companies make it. So, yes. yeah, Sunset Blush. So I found the most expensive <laughs> Is Sunset there a Blush. wine called, I mean, a, a grape called Sunset Blush? I'm wondering <laughs> either if it's a grape or if it's a juicing procedure. Because my suspicion might be it could be a, a Zinfandel-style grape that is crushed in the evening or something like that. There may be some <laughs> subtlety here. Crushed in the evening by elves, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Keebler elves is crushing the grapes. No, I, I honestly don't know. The level of depth that I got to associated with this thing was just thinking, 
I've got to find a sunset blush that Heron. So this is the most expensive exactly. sunset blush in the world. Well, See, it's I didn't the most expensive that. one I could find out yeah. of okay, six well, or seven. Well, you will ship to your house. That's the yeah, other important. Yeah. I, and the shipping was really quite amazing. I mean, the idea of shipping four bottles of wine. Mm. Uh, and yet, uh, it you know everything arrived in just fine shape, and uh, I was I was really taken by the construction of the materials inside. Yes. You know, it's, it's very well done. Well, this came from a winery, which means that they probably ship more outlandish and expensive wines. Although I seem to recall the twist top was standard. Although that may be, may be a thing in most Yeah, I was a little surprised at that. Yeah. Uh, would you have to spend a little more to get corks these well, days? Corks are ex- <laughs> cork as a tree is extremely expensive. They've kind of become an endangered species. Ah. And there are various problems associated with cork. Well, now, what, yeah, and what's, who cares? I mean, you know, like I say, when I saw it was a screw cap, I immediately thought, you know, uh, you know, winos on the corner, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and, and the cork, you know, I found my corkscrew and, mm. and I was looking, uh, uh, on eBay for one of those air pressure corkscrews to see uh, how yeah. like ten bucks. You know, yeah. I was surprised. You mm. know, um, you know, and then I was really disappointed to see that it, I just unscrewed the fucking cap. You know, yeah. Well, but I'm, I, what, I'm wondering what difference that actually makes to the wine. Probably you know? very little. I mean, cork is slightly. Well, I like, guess the yeah must contribute something yeah. some breathing over long periods of time. Well, I would imagine. so it, uh, the contact with the you know, I mean, it may impart some certainly something to the wine. You know, who well, knows? in fact, I think cork is used precisely so it doesn't add anything to the wine. But apparently, but everything adds something. To the well, wine. apparently, there's some gaseous aeration yeah. components <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So yes, I'm I. I'm now getting constant emails from the winery that the sunset blush came from <laughs> to try to point me towards. I guess I guess it's like a lot of things where once you order something, they yeah. kind of immediately, by what you've ordered, put you in. I find this with Amazon all the well, time. Sure, yeah, you know? well, that makes sense. Exactly, of course. So yes, I wasn't. I mean, Frazier, I think is is was Frazier or something like that. Frazier or something like that, which is the sunset blush that you've previously uh, something I, like that. Well, hold on, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Hold on, Franzia. Franzia, that's it. Yes, I that's actually heard Franzia. I heard, I heard it in my head as you were walking away. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I was going to take a photograph of. I saw one of the casks. Last Friday night, just before our recording. Oh, yeah, one of the uh, the boxes. Yeah. Yes, the boxes. Yeah, they're quite nice. I like yeah. them. Yeah. They're remarkably cheap. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's amazing uh, they can actually sell alcohol for that little. Uh, well, it depends on where... What, what do you, what do you, what price were you seeing? I was, well, I didn't include shipping in the price. No, 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 just to like go. like $5.99 for one uh, of the boxes. No, no, that must be a smaller because they're like $13. Okay, so yes, you might be getting the double size ones. Yeah. They did apparently, or at least they advertised with bottles as well, but I wasn't clear how one could get the bottled version. Hmm. Maybe they just do that purely for. for I think these are mainly for restaurants. Yeah. You know? Well, no, or anybody. I mean, no, I mean, that's the way you, you see them at the local. Yeah, no, yeah, it's standard to buy wine in a box now. Yeah. And actually it works good because you can, you know, because as you drain it, there's never any air in there to destroy the wine. So it's almost like. Child, they were very, so now we're talking 30 plus years ago, more than 30 years ago. It was all standard in Australia. They went to casks very early. Oh, really? Ah. But the fun thing as a kid was that when my parents were done with the wine, 
I used to use them as inflatable <laughs> bath toys. Ah, yes. You know, when I was four, five, six. <laughs> yeah, they're great toys. And just blowing yeah. it up. And of course, you'd get the remnant, you get the remnants of the wine. So you'd have this strange <laughs> wine breath situation as you blew it up. Of course, no alcohol effect through that. But no, so my childhood memory of blowing these things up and kind of eventually after, I don't know, maybe a week, two weeks worth of bath time fun with these things, they would eventually pop or leak or what have you. Yeah. The other trick, of course, you could do was put them underwater and do the kind of farting bubble effect with them, which worked <laughs> remarkably well. But anyway, moving on from this lowbrow humour here, and I have... So, one piece of correspondence which I didn't get to you this week. I normally post Joe the Drummer's emails through the Facebook group, but what typically happens when I post his emails through the Facebook group is you get a good opportunity to have a read-through and you start adding notes and things like that, and then everyone else jumps in. And I thought this email mm. was sufficiently... I needed the immediacy of the Heronstone response association. Okay, okay. So, you, yeah, okay. so I will read it out yeah, to you. Okay. Joe the Drummer writes, I've particularly enjoyed the last two recordings of Stone Ape. Lots of meaty conversation from both of you. Thanks. I think you're, and here he's referring to me, being unfair about Russell Brand. I think it's absolutely amazing he says uh, what he is at the very edges of the mainstream. Most people have never heard anyone say how fucked up and corrupt everything is. <laughs> Most people would be astonished if they understood what Chomsky was saying or even Larry Lessig. Even though you're absolutely... Absolutely highly aware of how clueless the majority of monkeys are, you seem to forget this vis-a-vis -vis brand or WikiLeaks. Can I answer his criticism, Harry? Sure show. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, look, I've already given you a prelude to this, Joe, associated with my perspective. I think if you assume everyone is stupid, you aren't going to be able to... You've lost part of the battle. It's not everyone. Come on, nobody's saying that. Well, no, let me say, most people... Okay, so my assumption is that actually, and I feel this way very strongly in this country, in the US, there are a majority of people that are completely politically disempowered. And the general assumption, which is exactly what Brand's, you know, opposition says, is that the people that don't participate in the political process are politically ignorant. I think that is fundamentally wrong. And I think it's insulting to how corrupt and disgusting the political process is. <laughs> See what I'm doing here, Joe? I'm using Russell Brand's logic against you. So my perspective with regards to these kind of interactions is you should generally assume a kind of curiosity level in the general public, which is slightly higher in certain areas than you may want to normally attribute. And that means opportunistically, when you find people in potentially fragile situations, you can pick out from your list of absolute radical topics a variety of things that you can talk to them about. Lucid dreaming has been one that I've used through the week. I think, and I'll state this again, that Russell Brand needs to go out of his comfort zone and utilise the amazing ability he now has to find thinkers that can talk specifically to things that he has previously said, I don't know about when he's in these circumstances. And you're correct, Joe. I think in general, people are not going to know the details of, you know, Larry Lessig or Chomsky. 
But the important point is, most people, when they hear Larry Lessig and Chomsky, don't understand how what they are saying actively affects them. And the responsibility, I think, is on Brand and other people in this space to start looking outside their comfort zones. And you need to hold these people to high account. If you have a comfort level where you think, oh, it's amazing that Russell Brand could go out there and say two or three sound bites and then say, I don't know, and do a bunch of jokes about, you know, Chomsky biting someone at camp, then you've got, you know, you've got a perspective where (laughs) this is now a comfortable norm. I think if you come to these kind of things with a perspective that standards should be high, standards clearly aren't high currently, but let's work to getting standards high. Now, let's talk about WikiLeaks specifically, because I do mention WikiLeaks, and Heron normally cuts me off when I say WikiLeaks. I'm giving Heron the opportunity to say that. (laughs) WikiLeaks portrayed a series of statistics from the US military that the non-government organisations, things like the Red Crescent in Iraq and various other organisations that were specifically looking at humanitarian circumstances had already published to a far greater number. So Fallujah, for example, the numbers that the US military collected associated with dead, I think was like 10 times less than the humanitarian numbers that already existed prior to WikiLeaks. So the problem with the discussion associated with WikiLeaks is everyone, you know, again here, the news media, the general norm of the conversation is, oh, it's amazing the information that WikiLeaks put out. No, it's amazing the non-government organisation statistics and the fact that no one talks about them associated with the atrocities yeah, in Iraq. What's amazing is a planet full of unconscious fucking yeah. language monkeys. But I think, Joe the Drummer, it is our responsibility to frame a discussion that is so different than whatever is being talked about by, you know, Brand and Chauncey and Leslie, who are supposed radicals in this space that we can actually start to frame a new radical, a new level of discussion, which from our listeners and from the people that engage in these kind of things will start to have a better criticism of even the likes of the brands and the Lessigs in the world. And I think that's a higher responsibility that we should Well, take. it's the difference between trying to fix the caterpillar or starting the creation exactly. of the butterfly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's fine that they're doing... See, I don't have any criticism of uh, Russell Brand. I think he's doing what Russell Brand does. It has nothing to do with me. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, not that it... That, that, that's not the right way to say it, but I mean... <laughs> Who am I to criticize what he's doing? He's got his experience. He's got his goals, what he's trying to do. That's the way he does it. And I think overall, it's probably good that he's out there doing what he's doing. Mm. He could be different, you know, Mm. but I don't really care. I'm just trying to do what I'm trying to do. And I'm sure there are people who would probably be very critical of the way I do what I'm doing. But it's better to have an engagement with those people, right? I mean, the, the whole nature of, well, if I'm not saying if I was Russell Brand, I would do things differently. I'd say let's, as thinkers, have a standard associated with discourse, which is removed from whatever else is going on. I'm very much returning to Heron's point associated with the caterpillar and the butterfly. 
we need to be associated with butterfly business in the distance. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And yeah, the butterfly that's, business is yeah. so far removed from the caterpillar business. Yeah, we need to be able. Well, to they need discourse. to be coordinated. Actually, yeah. I mean, it, it's important that they. Like I say, that's why I think it's all all worthy uh, conversation. Yeah, uh, because there there are probably going to be places as the caterpillar disintegrates where it, it can be to the advantage of the butterfly to understand mm. uh, just what's happening. Oh, question. And you know, so so um, I, I but think I it's don't all think important. Thinkers, I don't think the likes of Lessig and you know the likes of Chomsky are are talking butterfly stuff. No, 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 no. They're they're uh, appalled. They're, they're not well, even giving analysis Lessig. that yeah. enables us to deal with disintegration of caterpillar stuff. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, that's why I'm not. I mean, I usually agree with Chomsky's uh, analysis of mm. many things, but I, I don't see that it, it, it's very important. I don't really see it. So what? You know, mm. it's just he's whining about how fucked up the caterpillar is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Okay, but so he's what? Not giving us any analysis associated with the collapse yeah, of the caterpillar. What are we supposed either? to do about this? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. So that's my feedback to Joe the drummer and. Please, Joe, I'm really very appreciative of uh, your continued level of discourse in this conversation. And sometimes I will post your stuff to the Facebook group, and other times I'll just save them for myself to raise with Heron in this particular recording. Well, so what did you want from me about this? I mean, was that, the end? That, was, that was the end of his communication? Yes. Oh, okay, so it was really addressed to you, okay. It right. was, but yeah. you're, you're, you know, yeah. you were surprisingly well, I- positive associated with the things that I was saying here, so... I'll leave it. I'm, um, well, I'm, yeah, I don't recall you being all that negative about Russell Brand to begin with. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just sort of your standard activity, you know, (laughs) wasn't anything in particular, you know, but again, I don't really have any criticism of, of what Brand is doing. I just figure he's another brain damaged language monkey who's trying to figure things out and he's doing the best he can and it's better than what most people are doing. Mm. And maybe it's not as good as it could be or as effective as it could be, but uh, he's doing something and uh, more power to him. Mm. Thomas uh, in his mm-hmm. thing mentioned that, that apparently I, I, I have said several times actually do something. Hmm. <laughs> Do you, do you recall that part? He this says, is maybe the antithesis of your perspective associated with a lot of things. But well, let's I know. Move I know. On. He, he says, <laughs> I'll, quote, I'll read the sentence. He says, I really find it funny and useful every time I hear Heron say, actually do something because I know myself in language, blah, blah, blah. But every time I hear Heron say, quote, actually do something, unquote. He, he could be terribly confused and think that I'm Heron in this discussion. But anyway, moving on from that. Yeah, well, I, I, I was just going to ask because uh, I don't recall. I mean, I may have said that. I mean, that, that is important. Yeah. Talking about shit's one thing. Doing something is uh, important. But I, I, uh, I just wasn't aware of the fact that I said it that often. And I was going to ask you, do I say that a lot? Actually do something? I think what he potentially has framed here is a series of ideas that we've discussed, but I don't, I mean, I think you use it when, when I talk about some of my things. That you, this is actually probably uh-huh. a rallying cry that you use, uh-huh. but it's usually in the context of various ideas or developments that I am working on where you will use, I think, this phrase yeah. periodically, although I'm not particularly sensitive to it because the way you and I rap. Yeah, we talk about say, all sorts of shit. Who pays attention to this crap? <laughs> Just put it out, shovel it out, folks. <laughs> Keep on shoveling. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, I mean, well, anyway, I liked what he said about mm. that. I mean, the idea that. Because you know and I know that I repeat all sorts of shit all the time. Mm. But I do it consciously. Mm. I mean, it, it's, there's a reason for it. And to have somebody note that and say thanks uh, is uh, really gratifying. <laughs> so Perfect. thanks again, Thomas. <laughs> so I have a series of topics here. No, we haven't even got to the preordained topics yet, huh? <laughs> we have not. It's interesting, actually, because we frame this whole discussion associated with New Year's resolutions and, you know, different perspectives in the new year. The new year happens slightly earlier for you, although to a certain extent I recognize your calendar, but unfortunately just a majority of my life does not revolve around No, I understand, yeah. 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 What has happened early in the new year has been a series of changes in my own thinking which I can attribute to potentially aging or potentially recognizing certain things through my general aging. But one of the things that has come out early on is that I have a series of questions, which in part are based through this writing on Noble Ape associated with matters of fact and certainty and events. And there's a lot of Stonian metaphysics in there as well, associated with how the truth changes very dynamically if you look move between particular you know agents in an environment and also over time in parallel to this i have for probably about a year now been putting my dna out into the ether and seeing you know what other crazed individuals out there actually share some genetics with me it's sometimes in the order of you know fractions of a percent but it's been an interesting fishing exercise because over the past week, probably a dozen or so people have gotten in contact with me that share some genetics. And what has struck me in the correspondence in the past week, maybe to do with other people going through an end-of-year mentality, is how many of the correspondents have acknowledged my work, which is very strange to me. I you mean, how did they find out about your work? Well, this is where it gets You mean your work in, with Noble Ape, or you mean yes. working at Netflix? No, well, my work with Noble Ape. Okay. In fact, what's curious is that they're not stalking me to the level where they realize I work <laughs> at Netflix. But what struck me through a series of the conversations is that these are typically men who are either of retirement age or have retired. Uh-huh. And they typically share less than 1% of my genetic heritage but are still related to me through that oh wait a minute that, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound right at all well, i mean i i would think that most of us share about 80 percent of our genetic so, inheritance okay yes well that okay that assumes yes when when we are you know marsupial rats and all this kind of stuff i think what um the human genome project did was identified what percentage of genetic inheritance we all share and of this one percent thing, this is the one percent delta. Okay, of so these the are the differences time. in what in the yes. not in the okay. And how much of it do we share? I mean, do you know what that percentage is? So the is number it 80, that they 90%? Describe, yeah, no, vastly. we share like ninety eight percent with share chimpanzees. A huge, <laughs> huge amount of data. Yeah. But the interesting data that twenty three and me attributes to humanity, which would they can get genetic diversity through is about 6.06 gigabytes worth of information. They measure it actually in gigabytes. 
these relations are of the uh, maybe 70 to 7 megabyte number of that. So actually a thousand, some of them a thousand, but some of them, you know, of a, a higher, uh, higher percentage order. Returning to these strange men that have been contacting me through the week. The thing that strikes me is if people, and this again talks to, again, we're talking about a small percentage, but this again talks to the fact that we shouldn't underestimate the general population in these circumstances. Well, you can't underestimate an, an, a given individual. You well, can certainly make generalizations, and they hold up in the abstract. But when you're faced with an individual, all that goes out the window. And you got to deal with the individual, and they could be fucking anywhere. When we first started communicating, you and I, you acknowledged that somewhere through your wanderings, maybe even dating back to Usenet groups or something, you had some knowledge associated, or you knew of the existence of Noble Ape. Yeah. The quality of the correspondence I have had through the week with these people has been more than that they knew about the existence of Noble Ape. In one case, a fellow had listened to a couple of podcasts <laughs> that I had Really? Been on. In another case, a fellow had um, become aware of me through some other means. And uh, one of the fellows sent me a couple of quite extended treaties on his own thinking associated with, um, you know, brain in a vat, etc. I, I guess it's hard for me to view a lot of the stuff that I've done with the view that has even permeated a small fraction of a percent of humanity. Yeah, yeah, that it should reach. Yeah, that's... Uh... But through this, I think people who have particular proclivities, maybe genetically affiliated proclivities, might I add, yeah. have had some exposure with the view that it's, you know, I, I used to work on the principle that, you know, that all these things were like orders of magnitude. So you'd have like a thousand, maybe even 10,000 people download the Noble Ape simulation and then you'd have one person download the source code. And then of a thousand people that downloaded the source code, you might get one email. And I, these numbers are yeah. far greater yeah. than my actual numbers. But, you know, you have these orders of magnitude between the levels of interaction. Yeah. And what I find curious is, I guess I've been doing this Noble Ape thing for nearly 20 years now. And over this period of time, sufficient that people can actually remember my face in one case, but not my name, identify this work over this period of time. Yeah. And it struck me that I'm, I mean, I'm very appreciative of that, but in the physical domain, as I exist as a human being, uh, I have a few people that I've met that have known about Noble Ape. And that's always very strange. But I think in the physical domain, I don't convey this work because I look like a bumbling giant ape. You know, I don't look like, oh, he's the noble ape guy, whatever that may mean. <laughs> yeah. What does the noble ape guy look like? Exactly. Through this correspondence through the week, I realized that the less exposure you have to me, probably the more respect you have for me in some existential <laughs> sense. Down to my spiritual advisor. <laughs> And through this interaction... Yeah, just the closer we get to you, the more contempt we have. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm still decompressing what that actually means. But in a short period of time, through this interaction, it has been very... cute, And with the view that I'm going to have ongoing correspondence with these people as I find more, you know, DNA information out about exactly where they fit in my kind of relation spectrum. 
maybe, and this comes to this whole nature-nurture thing as well, because I'm pretty solidly of the view that a good portion of the exp- the way that I am is clearly nurture. Or lack yeah, well, thereof. clearly it's both. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just no way around that. Gen- they're both... They're yeah. both, yeah, effective. But Absolutely. As I look at these little gene groups, I'm wondering if, yeah. if there are certain gene groups that make people more disposed to have an interest in noble Oh, well, I would think so. Yeah. Maybe that is what I'm discovering. In, yeah. Through well, when I met my brother, mm-hmm. that was oh, such yes. a revelation. Yes. You know, I mean, to I mean, specific phrases that he used constantly mm. were, were the exact same phrases I used. Mm. He watched the same television shows. I did, you know? It's just, you know, you know, who knows what, what can you make out of that? You know, it just, it struck me, you know. Part of our interaction, which I think I've learned through listening to your Gendo podcast over many long suffering months, <laughs> is associated with how you frame discussions with people, potentially people that are not necessarily hostile, but can kind of throw <laughs> grenades in various directions and you've got to be kind of a little bit on your toes through these interactions. But you oh, I've gotten to- nailed by a few people. I don't have the, I mean, these are back in the Skype cast yeah. days, but man, a couple, a couple people just really blew me out of the water. I, it was, that was a real lesson. I'll tell you. So in addition <laughs> to this genetic thing, I was approached by a second cousin through the week who said, why don't you set up a Facebook group associated with the kind of broader, or at least a particular group of my extended relations? In large part because many of them are still living and, you know, there's still some documents there and you might be able to get additional information. So I set up a group associated hmm. with my paternal grandfather, his wife, and also his wife's sister and his wife's sister's family. When did you do this? Uh, about two days ago. Okay. I set it up with, I think... And eight- you've already got more followers than Stone Ape Podcast. No, not probably. quite yet. But there are <laughs> limits to this group. This is a genetically limited group. But within the past two days, it's grown to, I think, 36 people. Oh, wow. Wow. And the thing about it is that, to a certain extent, I'm like a conductor in this thing. You know, posting photographs and doing yeah. various analysis yeah. at various points. But through this, we've been able to, as I say, find a photograph of my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather and their wives and some additional children. We've been able to name them. I've been able to uh, community source Yiddish translations on the back of photographs. Yeah. I mean, it's quite extraordinary <laughs> once you understand what the internet yeah, is yeah, good for. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing world. Because <laughs> yeah, of yeah. this group of people, none of them have been part of any... Although I should point out, Graham Barbley, who is my second cousin does listen to Stone Ape and does comment in the Stone Ape Facebook group periodically. So one of this group has discovered Stone Ape. And I'm not really sure whether many people within this group would be interested in Stone Ape. Ah, well, if there's a genetic part <laughs> of this, then, yeah, right. You, know, yeah. The noble, you may find they're already here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the interesting thing that has come through this has been a couple of individuals through this group have not necessarily a negative perspective, but just have a perspective where I guess there's a kind of ho-hum view associated with particularly the Holocaust. You know, when things are unknown, <laughs> it's let's just assume these people are dead. Let's not look for any evidence about whether they're alive or dead. 
let's just assume these people are dead. And Well, that's one approach. Yes, yes. <laughs> but this group is the antithesis of that approach. And what I found interesting is actually the perspective that I have on these kind of topics is framed in part by this writing that I'm doing on Noble Eight currently associated with, well, not necessarily solving murder crimes, but, you know, at least exploring the multiplicity of solutions that are never explored through the traditional judicial system associated with murder crimes. So... From this perspective, there's also been a kind of view against DNA in particular, almost a kind of anti-science, which has come through a variety of interesting perspectives. This is a culture, particularly in the UK. I've been hesitant to talk about this previously. I've mentioned it a little bit. But um, the uh, particular lie detector show that I watch periodically through YouTube also has a DNA testing component, and it's a British show. And the use of DNA, particularly in order to stop people from receiving benefits for children that they're not actually related to and these kind of things, is really a subculture within the UK that doesn't exist elsewhere. So of my relatives that live in the UK, I haven't been able to successfully convince any of them that they need to explore 23andMe and also assist with the broader, you know... But which I think is really critical. I mean, in terms of certain relations, I've completely exhausted the documents. Yeah. yeah. And I've exhausted photographs and I've exhausted everything. DNA, also because I have 20 or so relations in the kind of second to fourth cousin perspective that live in the US and in Europe that um, are genetically related to me, but they have no documented connection with me. So DNA here is critical because if you work your way back, you can actually work out which direction they are in, you know, the broad bifurcation. But yeah, it's tested me on a few occasions, even over the past couple of days, how I frame interactions in order to try and not let naysaying be the predominant method of speech. And when I do these things, typically when I create these communities, I spend quite a bit of time setting a tone. I've done that with Model Rail Radio, where you don't necessarily say explicitly what shouldn't be talked about, but you give an indication that the general kind of negative narrative associated with a variety of topics probably isn't, you know, I mean, to say it, by all means, there's not any explicit censorship, but let's not dwell no, let's not, yeah, yeah. on these okay, thank things. you for sharing. Exactly. Let's get on with exactly. something that's more interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, let's actually do some exploration as opposed yeah, to not doing exploration. Yeah, rather than whining about yeah. the, what you don't yeah. like, you know. And so, I mean, through this, I've used a number of skills, some of which I've kind of picked up through our broader discussion. A number of them I actually had, you know, indigenously through experiences that we've already talked about. But yeah, it is an interesting perspective taking these kind of community building, particularly electronic community building and maintaining momentum and maintaining yeah. interest and following different directions and all these kind of yeah. things with a group of individuals that I'm genetically related to, but have very limited. I mean, many of these people I hadn't, I didn't have a clue they existed two days ago. Sure. They've only come in through Facebook through the fact that they know certain people and it's kind of exploded like wildfire, primarily because we've been able to actually find new ancestors and new information through this discourse. Yeah. Some interesting characters in this broader group as well. Let's narrate that on a future Stone Ape, Harry. (laughs) So I posted on the Stone Ape Facebook group a cartoon based around John Lennon's Imagine. And I think it's an interesting exercise in exploring the foibles of humanity. 
Not to say that the broader foibles that are discussed in a mansion aren't pretty bloody important. In fact, probably so important that, you know, they should probably be solved first. Or at least identified. See, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It seems to me that they are just symptoms of an underlying this pathology. It's interesting. Yes. And then the, that, if you want to solve it, yes. you can solve all those problems <laughs> and still have a fucked up planet. Exactly. If you don't solve the underlying pathology. It's so boring when we agree, Heron. <laughs> yeah. I don't want right, to play devil's subject. advocate. Yeah, I, let's I explore read that this to- a little bit. Let's explore this a little bit. Because... <laughs> This is an interesting thing. We need, you know, the stone ape, the anti-language monkey version of a mansion. Yeah. Well, you know, this this whole thing really gets down to, it, it, again, it's so simple. I, I, I sort of resist the simplicity of the analysis, but it, it still gets down to it, is that the fundamental problem facing the planet is the fact that people mistake their way of thinking about the world for the way it is. Mm. And that that's, that one thing would make all the difference in the world. All the rest of the shit would fall away if they could, if we could solve that one. If people would just get that they got a story and it's just their fucking story mm. and they could, they're welcome to compare it to other people's stories and share stories and argue about why they like their story better or whatever. But if you think your story is actually the accurate description of reality, you're fucking insane. And not even worthy to enter the conversation. Okay, end of story. No, no, I was just going to say, in, in positive light towards Lennon, he does, he does offer some of the top ten of kind of language monkey foibles and. Oh, it's a great song, you know, and it was, you know, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm not criticizing the song. I'm just saying it's good if that gets people fired up, but you know, it's the underlying pathology that needs to be cured, not those symptoms although if you could cure the symptoms that would be nice too yeah Mm. Uh, i got no problem with that we now hit a topic which is probably more political than anything that i have discussed previously in stone ape in particular because i've kind of had a meandering discussion around this and this is like a definitive matter of fact which makes me almost hesitant to talk about it i'm going to talk about it part of the general dialogue that we have had for well, pretty well since we started recording, is associated with cannabis. And the dialogue that we've had associated with land races in particular has not acknowledged a body of work which I've talked about haphazardly, but not actually explicitly talked about. In my own thinking, I've been going through a kind of toing and froing associated with how much I need to put my energies into the broader kind of decriminalization movement in this country but having grown up in an environment where cannabis well not even decriminalization legalization let's be clear yeah having grown up in an environment where cannabis was decriminalized i saw it rechange and reframe a discussion which has historically been associated with the police force yeah prison guards and these kind <laughs> yeah. of guns exactly yeah. And millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be money in this capitalism. That doesn't always have to be. No, it doesn't. No, there doesn't need to be. That's just in this system (laughs) that you're, that's one of the issues. (laughs) I have been toing and froing on the subject for probably about six months now. But based on that subject being, being my position associated with 
cannabis as uh, a thing, an entity. Uh, you feel like you need to have a position on this. Well, I feel because I don't, I don't do things lightly, Heron. Uh-huh. No. I, I'm not yeah. a... Okay, you know, so, you're, the issue, so this is an issue for you because it's like you, you, it's strong enough a, a thing that you think you might want to actually do something about it. Yes. Okay, as opposed to just have a thought. Like me, I mean, I don't, I don't have no plans of doing anything about that. It's, yeah. you know... Well, actually, the problem here is is that legally in California... To do the kind of investigation that I want to do, and here I'm not talking about consuming cannabis, I'm, although I, I have absolutely no problem in co- people who consume cannabis, the discussion that I was having associated with land races and also associated with, you know, the various legislation that exists yeah. in California, Colorado, Washington State, whatever comes well, out Well, it's actually Oregon. legal in a couple of states now, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's not just it merely... Interesting. Yeah. And our, our listener in Washington State, Tony Ryan, will, will no doubt know more on this. In Colorado, they were able to connect the recreational use of cannabis together with the medicinal use of cannabis. And what that created was a culture where the price of cannabis went down dramatically for both recreational and medicinal users. They piggybacked on each other. But why do they even need to make a distinction? Oh, I mean, well, if it's, see, if it's look, available for recreational use, why do you need it for medicinal? Well, here's the thing. The way... They don't call them lawmakers for nothing, Heron. Well, They're actually, not you know, I, no, actually I can understand why. Laws, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 However, yeah. In, in Washington State... Because it actually apparently yeah. is good for some people. <laughs> Yeah, as a medicine. Yeah. So, yeah. is a medicine that needs to be regulated as yeah. a medicine. Yeah, that's yeah. a separate issue from legalizing it yeah. for recreational use. So, through yeah. this, I looked at what <laughs> happened in Colorado and what happened in Washington State. In Washington State, there was a distinction between medical and recreational. Recreational now is considerably more regulated, it's considerably more expensive, and it's vastly more taxed than medical. Ah, okay. Ah, it's ah, okay. So there's a distinction there. It's so not there's the a real cannabis. incentive to yeah. get it through the pharmacy rather yeah. than from your uh, local yeah. marijuana store. And where do they buy marijuana? Just uh, and, so they have and, two, they sell they tobacco have, or no, 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 no. Again, this is the nature of regulation. In Washington State, they have two different kinds of dispensaries. They have medical dispensaries, ah. and then they have recreational dispensaries. Oh, and they call them dispensaries. Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the term I'm going to use. Okay, them. all right. In Colorado, they well, just there's have in, dispensaries. No, the dispensaries and stores. There's mm. <laughs> a difference. Well, anyway. Yes. So, and what has happened in Washington State is probably pretty good, except it's just not quite as good as what's happened in it's, Colorado. Yeah. And... Good here. It's better for folks locking people up and, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the frustration that I have associated with all this stuff is that until you have a very cheap market where it's not expensive and it's grown like basil. Yeah. Then you have still massive profits that are associated. Oh, with yeah. It. Yeah. And people need to grow their own. Now. Exactly. See, now you want to grow your food. I'll grow my own, uh, vitamin M. So, Heron, <laughs> <laughs> I realized somewhere through over the past couple of months that in order to understand this topic on a greater basis, not through the consumption of cannabis, but through actually understanding the legislation associated with this, mm-hmm. I had two options. Through my friend being here, I now know people here locally that have the medical card 
and I go to dispensaries and I buy cannabis very similar <laughs> to the way you do it. Yeah. yeah. I have no interest in that culture. Well, it's the same culture. Yeah. It has, there's nobody. I've, I've been to those dispensaries a number of times. Mm. I've never seen anybody over the age of like 22. Mm. <laughs> you know, everyone is a joke. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting. Because here, today I walked into a medical whatever and I got myself a California card. Really? Did you, uh, on some, I mean, you, you saw the guy and he interviewed you and yeah. said, oh, yep, you need a dis- uh, prescription. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I have no interest in using cannabis, I'm interested no, actually in, no. firstly, firstly, I thought How about this. How did you this- get it? What did you tell him? Why do you need marijuana? I, Why should I write you this prescription? I have, I have a long, I have a long and well-documented medical history associated oh, yeah. with migraines. Oh, yeah, you can get away with this shit. Yeah, no problem. All okay. of these yeah, kind of things, which, which yeah, are part yeah. of my natural yeah, way yeah. of being. So, yeah, you didn't have to lie or anything. But also are medic- are documented in my medical history. Yeah, right, yeah. So yeah. you're, yeah. The other thing is that need, you just need to tell them. They I'm don't incredibly shit. educated associated with the topic. Yeah. So talking with this guy for three minutes, he said, you yeah. don't need to hear anything from me. Thank yeah. you very much. Sign the yeah. card and pass yeah. the topic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. So my perspective, actually, and I want to put this out to the Stone Ape listeners, particularly the folks that have come over from the salon, although probably all of you already are considerably more advanced than me. The other thing that struck me was I have never in this country had such a nice experience in a a medical establishment (laughs) as in this environment. In fact, I was actually... That's because it's not a medical establishment. Well, this is interesting. This is interesting. It's a drug store. Well, this is interesting. It's not that I buy the story. It's that I think that the medical establishment in this country is basically equivalent to the mob. And my experience, I actually think the criminals in this circumstance (laughs) are the medical establishment. I think the whole thing is asked backwards in terms of the perspective here. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I left this place thinking, firstly, I have no interest in using cannabis, but I can now at least... Just like I have no real interest in doing DMT right now. (laughs) My interest is more associated with the fact that there's been no science... The science that is applied to this thing is associated with between five and nine different chemicals, not the interaction of these chemicals, not even really the study of how these chemicals Mm. have been used in their indigenous cultures, but actually to get what was previously street illegal weed and then move it forward some discussion and make it into street legal weed. And I think through this, I've been toing and froing about whether I need to invest my time and my knowledge in this to straighten space. this mess out. <laughs> but the thing that strikes yeah. me through That would this, be a valuable thing hmm, to do, actually, I think. I would... I can't disagree. Now, this is a long-term project. Yeah, yeah. This is a multi-year This is a multi-year project yeah. before I can even say, yeah. you know... Well, just setting up the project would be worthwhile. However, I thought <laughs> in terms of voting, which is what I felt this experience really was... Voting? Well... In putting my body in one of these places and getting the card. Yeah. In experiencing the process. Yeah. And also saying, in terms of just being a number, even in a database. Yeah. That this is the way it should be for everyone. The process itself may be nuts. Well, we shouldn't need a fucking license. Exactly. 
Well, you should need a driver's license. You need, I think, yeah. probably a, a certain age limit would be, you know, maybe well, you need to be over 12 or 13 This or is something. interesting, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that perspective aside. But just that I've historically thought of this whole process, particularly from narratives such as yourself, as being fraudulent in terms of the whole process being just indicative of problems which are systemic and need to be solved. But the more that I look on the sidelines, the more that I realise that, you know, I've got to be counted in this thing somehow. And today was my day to be counted. Ah. you Oh, you did this today? Yeah. Okay, and now you have your card. See, yeah. mine expired uh, quite almost a year ago. Oh. I bought a whole bunch of shit, though, before it expired, but uh, I'm beginning to run low now, and I'm going to have to go get a new license. Uh, Well, that actually was – so when I went in – The the guy – one of my friends uh, just got a a card, and they did it on Skype. Yeah, I've heard of those places. Yeah. 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 I love it. Of the people who... PayPal on Skype. PayPal on <laughs> Skype? Are you serious? Even well, if you I mean, need to go into an office? No, no, that's what I'm saying, though. Uh, you don't... You, no. Well, I'm not quite sure on that. But if if that's not the way it is now, it will be that way in a few months. Oh, clearly. clearly. <laughs> so. The thing that interested me in the waiting room was actually I was probably the youngest person. Well, actually. Oh, really? I, I went in initially and there were a couple of younger guys and then they said cash only and I thought, okay, well, I need to go to an ATM. So yeah. I wandered out and got an ATM and came back. Did they have a guard with a gun? No. No, okay. It was very, they were, everyone was super laid back. They <laughs> had, right, they were all stoned. They had Pineapple <laughs> Express playing in the corner. And, um, no, I mean, there was a guy in a wheelchair. There were a few older guys who were counting really? out their money. No, there was all, it was all people of your generation. Yeah, Aaron, my, my, my experience generation. has been it's just a whole bunch of fucking stoners. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing, I probably, because of the day that I went and these kind of things, yeah. the stoners aren't doing this Friday afternoon. The stoners have got better things to do. That's Friday right. Afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting experience. And I feel as I left and as I walked back home, which is about a 30 minute walk, I had a spring in my step. I thought <laughs> I have been counted here. That's right. with this yeah, you're going to be part of the statistics of Californians exactly. who uh, yeah. Yeah, are taking yeah. marijuana. Yeah. That's and great. the other thing that struck me through this is it is an honest treat. It's so rare that you have an opportunity on an issue to indicate honestly how you feel in a way that you are counted. I mean, there's all this voting crap, but this cost me money. This took me my time. Yeah, how much did they charge? Uh, 90, it was some strange amount. I think okay. it was with card like $95. Okay, and then the renewal yeah. is very cheap. That's why you had could. all the old people there. I go to places where it's only 50 yeah, this apparent this one advertised as cheapest in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. who knows? Yeah, who, that's a different world up there. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it was a very interesting experience, and I think the thing that I found fascinating was, like I said, I'd literally spent three minutes in front of the guy. Yeah, but he immediately realised that I actually knew. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more than the average person that was coming in for one of these cards. Yeah, yeah, that's and, been my um, experience too. The other thing I, I, I bring me. in my blood pressure medication, <laughs> and there's no, you know, there's nothing else to be said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's one of yeah. the things. So. Yeah. The thing 
Yeah, one of the quest the only question that he surprised me with is how do you find cannabis helping you now? Yeah. And I said, I'm not using cannabis currently. Yeah, perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna find out. <laughs> but you know, I the beauty that I see is in the little they give you a card and they give you a license. And the license covers everything that interests me associated with What do you cannabis. mean they give you a card? They give you all I got was uh I mean the what card do they give you? I have a California, like, numbered, registered cannabis It's not a, like an eight and a half by 11 sheet. Well, they've cut it down. It's smaller now, but. No, no, I got it. I got both the card and the paper. Okay. I, I, I never got, okay, the card. I don't know. What is the card for? I don't know. Dispensaries, I'm assuming. I don't know. No, every dispensary gives you their own card when you register with well, them. Well, they said to me because I don't, I don't carry standard ID. They said that yeah. you, um, you won't be able to use the dispensaries, and I was like, "Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm not interested in that." <laughs> and yeah. the woman kind of looked at me. And I was just like, "You know, let's not no ask questions here. <laughs> I'm just here to be voting." You know, but yeah. um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience, and I think yeah. it's an experience that I needed to have because your account of it and my experience were actually distinctly different. And the main yeah. thing I found was actually when I first got there, they made me fill out, I don't know, seven pages of paperwork. And yeah, I actually yeah, realized, yeah. I actually realized through that that this is the voting portion. I mean, if, if you felt so passionately about an issue that you had to fill out paperwork and pay money in order to be counted. Yeah. And it would have a higher registration than standard voting. Of course, then people, you know, that had money might exploit this circumstance. But if it was still one per person. You could really pick out the issues that were important to you and make your determinations based on those things. But no, I felt surprisingly empowered by the whole thing. And I felt it was really strange because leading into it, I was really in two minds about whether I should do this. And particularly because it's like in a derelict section of town and, you know, all these kind of things. And I thought, what am I setting myself up for here? You know, yeah, I really. feel intellectually you, you might have mugged on the this. way out. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, it was all actually very get mugged normal. on the way in because yeah. they know you got cash yeah, on you. Yeah, carrying in cash. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a surprisingly, and it actually was a very moving experience because really? it made me realize that, that this is the way, you know, although it's flawed, although it's problematic, it's so much more civilized than any of the other crap that I'm exposed well, to. Well, yeah, your actual behavior <laughs> is the best best measure of your state of mind, I mm. would say. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess because I in parallel to this, a large portion which I don't ever really air in Stone Ape, a large portion of my encounters with me- the medical establishment in this country are really poor. And also representing my spiritual advisor in circumstances associated with the med- medical establishment is just beyond infuriating. Yeah. It's almost like regular medicine has become this thing which is so removed from the Hippocratic Oath and all the other stuff. Is this? Are you talking about dealing with the bureaucracy or the doctors themselves? No, the doctors embody the bureaucracy. Do they? So I pay, See, that's not yeah. been my experience at the VA. The VA is probably amazing. Yeah. I pay a good fraction of my salary in medical insurance and for that i but more importantly my spiritual Mm. advisor frequently meets with doctors who say you Mm. fill out the paperwork and file it separately to your insurance provider which i always understood is their job yeah yeah you know the whole that's interesting because my uh, my experience with the va and my friend john Mm. who's got some insurance through the 
university that he mm-hmm. works at. Uh, I, I, he, he just loves them. You know, they said they, they take such good care of him. You yeah. know, that hasn't been my experience at all. Really? Oh. Um, I don't know. I mean, my suspicion actually is that the more you move, the the worse medical care you're going to get. Because if you live in a place for any period of time, you're going to basically ditch bad doctors and stick with doctors that are reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that. I can't seem to find... I mean, I know plenty of people that have medical insurance and have good experiences with doctors, yeah. but it certainly hasn't been my experience, yeah. and it hasn't yeah. been the experience of my spiritual advisor. Yeah. And Can terms, you change? I mean, do you well, have some options there? Or? Within our insurance, I mean, we, we are supposed to have a very flexible and very... But no, I, my view is actually that it's just the mafia. And I, <laughs> if you look at, if you look at, oh, it's capitalism. No, this is beyond capitalism. Capitalism really? is Apple. Capitalism is experiences where you pay money, you get something. Sure, it has problems. Well, that's one aspect it's not of capitalism. Fu- no, this, this no, is all capitalism. No, you are you're forced at gunpoint to pay these individuals. Yeah, yeah that's I not. I mean, although you're right, it is the U.S. I don't think that's what capitalism is fundamentally. Well, capitalism doesn't exist. I mean, it, yeah. it, in anything yeah. but it, the domain yeah. of language as an idea. Yeah. And so your idea of it is your idea of it. Without question. It's but not- I want to say, although, although in general I'm relatively positive of your anti-capitalism rap, I've yeah. had good experiences through capitalism. Oh, so, and they're yeah. very far removed from my experiences that I've had with healthcare. Uh, I absolutely agree, man. Listen, yeah. I, I love Apple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, Steve Jobs changed yeah. my life completely. Yeah. So, uh, certainly capitalism can result in good things. It's just mm. that most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> well, Maybe that's because we have relatively well. The difficulty, particularly associated with healthcare in this country, is mm. it is now you now have it at gunpoint. I mean, you now have to pay the money to these institutions to, to where they are looking to optimize, i.e., minimize. Yeah. Well, it's been that way for car insurance for exactly. some time. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where? where yeah. Well, see, these are the. This is what happens to the caterpillar. <laughs> People have periodically asked me. Stonehenge listeners have periodically asked me where I see myself being in twenty to forty uh, years' time. Uh, My experience in the UK was relatively positive, associated with the medical establishment, and was night and day to my experience here. And I'm actually starting to think very. I mean, aside from this one incident with this, you know, medical cannabis card. These things wear on me sufficiently that I yeah. feel like throwing in the towel in this country on a number of occasions. Listen, forty years mm. is a long time. Mm. I doubt there will be a UK or an America forty years from now. We can live in hope. Well, that seems like almost a given to me. Well, I mean, the, the, I'd be, interest, I'd be interested. I'd be interested in getting some feedback from him? listeners <laughs> on something like this. Yeah. Will there be a United States? 40 years from now. Yes. My, my sense is, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but my sense is it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was gone. Yes. However, they're still doing the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. I mean, we need to start addressing on some level how we one would interact with a majority that has well, been forced yeah, to recite something yeah, for the country. Now and then, there's a lot of stuff to deal with. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. So... In my writing, I had summarized this topic because I haven't actually done this topic justice. 
as Kalashnikov or Seed. Through, as I was walking back from this experience, I thought to myself, part of the narrative associated with Stone Ape, which has explored some of my own thinking, has been what what one can provide in kind of revolutionary anecdote to progress things forward. And based on the calibre of language monkey experiences, I have been a relatively strong advocate associated with people who think similarly to also have an understanding of firearms, not necessarily to own them or use them, but just not to be afraid of them because our adversaries are armed to the teeth. (laughs) Yes. And it is stupid to not understand something when it could be used against you. Yeah, I agree completely. But my sense is if they've got Kalashnikovs, then we need uh, mortars and bazookas. Mm. Fuck getting, uh, having a a shootout with a bunch of rednecks, Mm. man. Mm. Fucking blow them up with a bomb. Well, (laughs) or... (laughs) Or at least for the rednecks that are sympathetic, provide them with land race strains that will get them thinking theoretically, <laughs> there as you opposed go. to sleepy and on the couch. Well, all I'm saying is, if you're going to go the way of weaponry, then you, then you want to win. Yeah, you know, and uh, which I mean, means it, we really need to be buying assault rifles, just like yes. No, we need right? to be getting heavier weapons than mere assault rifles. Yes, we need Humvees uh, and fifty calibers. I love Humvees. And uh, my, my dream is to build an electric Humvee. <laughs> They're getting cheaper and cheaper too. Actually. Oh, I, sure. I, yeah. bring, I bring my brother out from Australia because he's done electric automobile conversions. He's yeah. actually had that experience. Yeah. So all I need to do is get a Humvee yeah. and work from there. Yeah. Having returned home with my cannabis card, I reached for my favorite hallucinogen, which is chili. Vast quantities of chili. And I had in the freezer some small Thai chilies. I had some jalapenos. I cut them all up, put them all together, and made a pasta sauce with um, some high-quality smoked bacon that my wife has uh, has picked up periodically. Where they sell it in, um, rather than these slab packs of bacon, they sell it in um, very, very small packs, which I always look for in... Kind of my preserved meats anyway, because it typically means it's of high quality. That's right. So and much more expensive. Yes. And absolutely, <laughs> unbelievably delicious. So yeah. If I appear a little hoarse this evening, it is because I have been inhaling vaporous capsicumoids, which is the only downside of cooking with a lot of chili. Mm. Is that uh, the air can become quite toxic and quite <laughs> acrid very quickly. Yeah. In fact... Yeah. We have a house in Las Vegas, which is quite long. Uh, the kitchen is in the far bottom end, and the master bedroom is in the opposite top end. Um, there's like a double garage underneath, so it's actually quite a long kind of trailing house. I once woke up my spiritual advisor in the master bedroom by cooking chilies in the uh, kitchen <laughs> in that house. So I should point out, actually, my spiritual advisor is away currently, which allows me to do all this kind of miscreant behavior. The effect that chilies has on my throat and voice, I don't know if it seems... Does it seem noticeable to you? No, I didn't notice it at all. I think I started this recording at least um, at least four or five semitones lower than I probably... Normally, uh, do. I'm certainly feeling the effects of it in any. Interesting. No, I um, I certainly didn't notice anything. Hmm. 
But then I'm, you know, unconscious of most shit. So, uh, so yes. maybe everyone else did. Let's get a, a response uh, from the listeners. From the listeners, yes. we can have them vote on the Stone Ape uh, mm. podcast. But for any similarly afflicted uh, capsicumoid junkies, I can thoroughly recommend. I mean, typically, ideally, if you go to a place like Malaysia or Thailand, they use at least five, and in some cases, up to twelve different kinds of chilies in their cooking. Mm. And it's just such a divine experience. I mean, when you, you know, when you live in a country where they will typically only use one kind of chili in cooking, just throw in a couple of other kinds of chili. Anyway, that little <laughs> footnote for the Stone Ape listeners that are similarly afflicted. The final topic I wanted to talk about was terrorism. Been a periodic topic. It's been in the news recently. Before I went and got Them my- fucking Arabs. <laughs> Before I went and got my medicinal card, I was in downtown San Jose and I wanted to check out a little sushi establishment um, that I've driven past a few times. And I went in, I sat down and they had CNN on and all it was showing was the stuff that has gone on in in Paris over the past couple of days. I'm a big fan of the 1970s in Europe. I love reading about the 1970s in Europe. I'm surrounded by actually artifacts. Well, I shouldn't say surrounded by. I've got a small number of artifacts, like a little Minolta camera from, you know, the early 70s and these kind of things. There's just something about the European aesthetic through that period of time that I really like. There was, through the 1970s, an ongoing, I don't know how one would call it, kind of terrorist conflict between Israeli intelligence, the PLO... And a variety of other forces, variety of other factions, you know, the red faction, all this kind yeah. of stuff. We have, as a, as some societal thing, completely forgotten about that period of time. When you say we, you're talking about America? Um, well, the America didn't even know but, that time happened. The, I mean, <laughs> so. the quality of correspondence that's coming out of France currently seems to indicate that maybe it's just because they've taken the worst aspects of American news culture. But I think we are so, you know, because of the way information is presented, if you had this in a historical context, I mean, the PLO makes Al-Qaeda, you know, look like a bunch of school children. And the Israeli intelligence weren't much better. I mean, the kind of stuff that went on through that Well, this has been going on for thousands of years. Without this question. anything new. Without question, <laughs> yes. And explosions and things within It's just that we got better technology yeah. now. Well, we have certainly considerably more cameras. And we got, a, well, we got better technology. Yeah. yeah, that makes a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. But the perspective that I see, and I mean, truth be told, I know the lint store in Sydney, my spiritual advisor and I have been there. It's actually one of the first coffee shops you could see as you walk up from that part of Sydney. So, uh, you know, we've been there at least once. And I know that area quite well. I have a cousin and a school friend that work in the area and go to that coffee shop. So, I mean, I, I know people and I certainly through this thing in Paris knew people who had friends that went to, you know, the deli that was, um, you know, one of the points of, of yeah. the... But I think the whole narrative is just so totally skewed that I was hesitant even to raise it as a topic in Stone Ape. But let's do some exploration associated with this thing. The culture of violence, which I've talked about historically in Stone Apes, that we have projected for two decades solidly, but most heavily in the past decade, 
has in fact created... That we? Who does that we refer to? American taxpayers, primarily. Australian taxpayers. British taxpayers. Okay. We've, we've paid our taxes. So a small group of, of gung-ho... The big folk, seven, basically. Yes. Okay. A yeah. small group of gung-ho folk that have been the told economic, that they can't... The capitalist economic centers of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, the people that actually... Because, I mean, in a volunteer military state which thankfully we're moving away from. I mean, even the places where people volunteered for the military in this country, they're starting to realise, hold it, wait, there are a bunch of other jobs other than volunteering for the military that <laughs> actually have slightly better benefits and you yeah. know, don't involve uh, you know PTSD, various kinds of trauma or you know all the other stuff. <laughs> However, unfortunately for purely, you know, monetary benefit, the export of this violence has created a, a completely different perspective, I guess. I don't know. It just strikes me that if you take a step back and read a little bit in this area, what we are sold currently just should appear so curious and acrid. Well, again, if people actually read and had some mm. sense of history, mm. it would be a very different world, wouldn't it? Mm. But also the, uh, the Estonian part of this is that your story about the world, the way the world really is. Uh, my story? No, about no, no, the- no, 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 sorry. The story that these people claim the way the world really is, the perspective yeah. that is provided by Okay, the multitude of those, yes. yes. The story about the way the world really is, that way I really satirise it, so you know I'm not talking to you, Heron. Mm-hmm. This kind of deconstruction almost, and when we recorded the thing for the salon, we talked about history, you know, book history. When uh, is that going to air? So he's written the show notes for it. My suspicion is he's probably going to post it Monday. Okay, so coming up. Coming up soon. Okay, good. That's going to be fascinating. But yes, the ability to use Stonian deconstruction associated with current events, I think allows, or should allow our I think it should be called Stoner. Stoner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. No, that that affiliates you with a different group. I know, but it's just funnier. (laughs) Stonian sounds pompous and stuffy. You know, Stoner is sort of funny. However, there's already an existing group of stoners that I don't think... It's a bit like being gay, Heron. Before there was gay, there was yeah, also gay, then, you know? <laughs> okay. And the gay well, people that were gay, show, but weren't gay... I prefer stoner, but that's well, just Well, yeah, but then you don't want a bunch of mad stoners, do you? You don't want stoners coming after you, Heron. Uh, well, if I gotta have somebody coming after me, it'd probably be better <laughs> that they're stoned than if they're not. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. In any case, so yeah, I would implore the listeners, actually, as as uh, Thomas and Mike and Joe the Drummer, lesser extent Joe the Drummer, actually, but Thomas and Mike have certainly done it, start exploring what we are being sold currently as news in um, some of these methods that we have discussed periodically and see what happens. Explore these things. Because I certainly find it very quizzical looking at Google News these days and just thinking, and my understanding is actually that there are ways of filtering Google News. I don't know how. I'm reaching out to our more technically savvy audience, if they are still listening. But I would love to see a Google News filter that provided heavy critiques of... uh, Have you seen Zeit magazine? 
Uh, it's an iPad uh, publication. Th- yeah. It, it, well, it's not a publication. It's just a compilation of other news stories, but it's it's fairly tunable. Mm. And, and it learns. You can vote up or down on various kinds of articles, and it g- then gives you more of those kinds of articles. Well, Google News is doing this currently because it knows my searches, and it pitches yeah. me news stories associated with things that I've searched on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So next week, I have the recording of Model Rail Radio with video cameras. Oh, yes. Hair and Stone required video cameras. <laughs> In, in color or black and white? You've seen the video. Well, well, I saw something that was in color, but then I saw a live feed that was in black and white. Well, That's the just thing. the live feed, the, right? No, it's in black and white because the lights were off. That's actually the night ah. view. Oh, uh, okay. I got it. All right. So it's just normal color. Yeah. 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 It's slight, It's got strange dynamics. It's slightly laggy if I move the camera and these kind of things. Yeah. In fact, I the most exciting section, which revolved around one of my cats... Uh, yeah, that was the highlight of the whole that thing. That was the highlight of the whole thing. So yeah. I thought, provided, because I moved the camera around quite a bit, a sense of what it will actually be like if I take drop sections. Actually watching it live, I think it's even more jerky through that. So the aim is to keep the camera in one place. Yeah, it's fine. In the, how many cameras do you have? I, ha- I have two that I will be using for this event. One okay, will be up one in the in studio. That room. Okay. And the other will be downstairs filming folks downstairs. Yeah, as they pass out. And, and, mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. as they as they have drunken bottle fights and yeah. smash right. windows yeah. and yeah. do all the things model railroaders are known for. You yeah, know? right. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be a very interesting experience. It's going to take from the Friday through to the Sunday. In fact, the Sunday really there's just a wrap up breakfast, and then everyone can go back to their families. Um, but yeah, I was cr- collating prior to getting on this call. You're going to serve breakfast there, or are you guys going to no, go, no, out gonna go out somewhere? We thought yeah. about serving breakfast here, and my spiritual advisor does cook a mean breakfast. But um, we thought by this point we're just going to be beyond exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. And um, let's just, and we're going to a place that I actually historically knew because Wozniak and I used to go and have breakfast there periodically. Although we'd have breakfast for lunch and dinner quite frequently there as well. Um, so yeah, it's a favourite kind of barbecue place of mine, um, and we're going to have the breakfast there with the view that if people want to come to Netflix afterwards and do my patented wander through Netflix, yeah. um, then you know we can we can do that too. It's going to be as, as I was just prior to getting on this call, I was actually sending out the mail out of events. I think there are nine different events or of that order. It's quite lots of stuff going on. <laughs> you got a whole agenda, a published mm. agenda. Mm. I've tried to do a series of techniques through this, but to be perfectly frank, I have never organized something like this previously. Yeah. I've organized it for small groups associated with the launch of, like, Nope Lape CDs and things like that. But this has the ability to be... Well, more than 40 people coming through my house, <laughs> plus a series of additional that's, events and other yeah. things going on. So yeah, that's I'm, great. I'm very mindful that this is going to be quite an interesting uh, experience. Yeah, yeah you're going to learn a lot. It's going to be yeah. very, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, what you can learn. And I'm sure through this period, uh, some Stone Ape viewers, in fact, a, num- a number of Stone Ape listeners are actually coming to the event. Ah, good. So yes, it's going to be an extraordinary. You can disrupt all the all the fun that the yeah, yes. that'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, the views discussed by Tom on Stone Ape are purely for Stone Ape and will be discussed at Stone Ape specific <laughs> events. The views of Model Rail Radio will be discussed at Model Rail Radio specific yeah, events. Yeah, yeah. No, you want to keep those separate. I think a lot of people are going to have fun. I mean, people have noticed already just, I record in a library or my library. And um, I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun just perusing through the various books. Very few of them model rail related. In fact, actually, when I did the most recent book cull, I went through a variety of books that were heavy and model rail related. And many of them, uh, aside from one, actually, that my spiritual advisor purchased associated with Walt Disney's train collection, <laughs> were extracted and, and have gone on to uh, gone on to better places. But yeah, it's going to be quite an event. We we will not record next week, which is why I'm getting to yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure potentially you might view some of the video or something like that, or at least get a sense of... Well, it's just going to be up there, so send me a link. Again. Yeah, the yeah. kind of chaos that's going on. I don't know how soon after, I mean, less than, less than a week, maybe two weeks afterwards, I'm doing a Conscious in the Cloud talk, which normally is what I've been working on while um, taking these couple of days off. And that is going to be interesting as well. I've done shorter Conscious in the Cloud talks, but this is really going to be a deep dive. It's not particularly well RSVP'd so far. I probably should do a bit of work actually publicising it. But it is going to be an introduction to some of my new thinking that I've talked about briefly um, through these Stone Ape recordings associated with kind of the next step of Noble Ape. So, yeah, that may be interesting for people as well. Yeah. You will get it in audio and you'll get my slides from it too. Yeah, so. okay. All coming up, Heron. All coming up. Do you have anything else you want to raise this evening? Oh, one more topic. Gremlins. Ah, gremlins. So the listeners voted. I I think you lied. I don't think anybody voted. I think you just made that shit up. So you think I went on as nine separate listeners to get you to watch gremlins. Yeah. What possible fucking rationale would anybody have for directing me to spend an hour and a half of my life watching that movie. Well, clearly you didn't get out of Gremlins what you needed to get out of Gremlins. Apparently not. No. Which was exactly what you said to me verbatim when I gave a panning review of a film that you asked me to watch. Um, I think I probably... War- I'm, I, if you're, which movie are you talking about? The Joneses. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, I think all I said was I really had a good fucking time. I enjoyed it. Well, you started criticizing the way that I actually watched films as well through this period. Oh, well, I might have done that, too. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but I certainly didn't make a big deal out of it. Like, okay. really needed to watch this. Well, it's so rare that I can advise you on anything, yeah. Aaron. Well, anyway. I'm just trying to figure out why. See, that's the thing. Oh, is okay. I'm trying to figure out why. I thought there were, I mean, what did I miss? Did I miss something? I think you might have if you're feeling I, this hostile about it. Well, I just feel like... This is a movie for 12-year-olds. Oh, no, I don't think so, Heron. Okay. Well, it's framed in a movie for 12-year-olds, but it certainly isn't... I mean, so you don't see there are any broader thematic elements of Gremlins that are of benefit Well, I think you could probably read almost any goddamn thing you want in there. Okay. But, uh, no, I didn't see any at all. I mean... Have you seen the interview? Because this was in contrast between... No, I haven't seen the interview. Okay, so the interview, Gremlins, and then the drop. And I said okay. Gremlins was between the interview and the drop. I think, well, although you're going to be hesitant to even take any advice that I give, but in the context <laughs> of seeing the interview... Yeah. 
you might find Gremlins slightly above the interview. Uh, I may that. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying it's the worst movie I ever saw. I'm just trying to figure out why the hell did I watch it? Why did I spend an hour and a half watching this thing? I mean, usually, I mean, my intention when I watch a movie is to somehow get something of, that I can use out of it. Mm. You know, other than that, or to be just so thoroughly entertained that I don't give a shit. Mm. And for in the Joneses, I was thoroughly entertained by that. So. so the themes associated with Eastern and Western culture, although brutal through Gremlins, didn't the notion of you know technology and what it provides, the notion of restrictive rules. I mean, these kind of themes weren't in in any way. You just thought it was. Misshapen? What? What is your broader criticism aside well, from that? No, it there, there was just nothing but a bunch of uh, nonsense for twelve-year-olds. You know, it's, it's just a perfect kind of rebellion kind of shit, blowing shit up, and you know, I mean, it's, it's just uh, yeah. I mean, there are certainly elements in there that you could interpret lots of ways, but uh, I I doubt. Well, again, all I can say is I just didn't I didn't see anything anything of any redeeming value in it for me mm. you know that's oh, well, all. i mean look in the spectrum of films in the context of the interview the drop and gremlins <laughs> i maintain the order that i gave. Well, now i'm gonna have to watch the interview i guess so yes yeah. and i'm not gonna take any listener votes on the interview yeah, no no that's up to me at this yeah yeah, yeah. no well, I, I sort of i guess i would like to watch it just because well just because i generally like um james franco mm. uh, although i generally don't like that other guy that he, mm. whatever his name is mm. so it, it ought to be kind of interesting to see <laughs> to see what what i think about this yeah movie. i think i think gremlins is slightly more highbrow than the interview <laughs> really <laughs> well that's because that, what's that guy seth rogan is that his name yes uh, yeah yeah that's because he's dragged james franco down to his level again well i think james franco is interesting because if you he he doesn't he hasn't defined himself in a he has yeah. he's defined himself in a few genres of film. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like about him is that you, he's just done such weird shit so different from one another mm. that it's kind of hard to pin him down, you mm. know. Just what is his story anyway? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, you know, in in order to eradicate the memory of Gremlins, <laughs> I've actually watched two other movies this week. Wow! You know, what other behind. movies did you watch? Well, I forget one of them already. It was <laughs> it was a wonder, um, but I did watch a movie called "What Do What We Do in the Shadows." Oh, okay. Have you heard of that? Uh, it's it a documentary. No, it's it's a. Um, well, it's it's a fake documentary. Mm. Yeah, in fact, it is a fake documentary uh, about four vampires sharing a flat in Wellington, New Zealand. Oh my goodness, Heron! And <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've seen. Again, it was just no point, no nothing, just mm. fucking hilarious. <laughs> so that's interesting, actually, because you clearly. Yeah, if if we had framed the Gremlins experience <laughs> in a way that, which wasn't going to be profound or indicative that you would need to take notes following. No, no, no. no. I, well, I certainly didn't expect that, but I was. Uh, I, well, I don't know what I, I was. I was really pretty open. I, I mean, I was assuming 
you know, I mean, it's a Steven Spielberg movie for kids, you know, but maybe they threw in some other interesting shit. Yeah. I just find any other interesting shit. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, your whole perspective of what is acceptable for children. Because I think so. Certainly- well, it's not what I think is acceptable for children. It's what the Hollywood marketers think is acceptable. Well, no, 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 no. But your perspective associated with Gremlins is it's something for 12 year olds. That was what you stated. Well, it's, yeah, it struck me as pretty, um, yeah, pretty, what's, you know. Puerile? Uh, yeah, and, and dualistic tool, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. good people and bad people and good guys and bad guys. But and so, what just- is the neighbor? There are a bunch of people that aren't good or bad. I mean, clearly there are totally evil people in it. But you have characters like the neighbor that are neither good nor bad, yet still kill. Yeah. So I don't think, I mean, although there's a dualism in, in, you know, certain characters, I think actually the more curious thing with Gremlins is... So the fact that good people get killed or or, or or nondescript people people get killed uh, is somehow uh, a worthy idea to put in, in this film that's supposed to give me something to think about? It's considerably more granular than most of the films that are aimed at 12-year-olds. Oh, well, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, actually, I haven't seen that many. I, like I say, that's just my impression mm. of it, is that this, you know, I could see how a 12-year-old would come out, you know, just be thinking this is a great movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, lots of shit blowing up and Certainly my crazy experience li- and my spiritual advisor's experience, well, in my case, I only saw the first 40 or 50 minutes of the film, maybe even less, before I was taken out of the cinema. In turn, yeah, it's interesting that you think it is a film perfectly designed for 12-year-olds, because actually that is what I find curious about the film, was that it's actually certainly probably up to age... In fact, it created the PG-13 rating, specifically because it... And it's interesting because somebody, to use 12-year-olds uh, yeah, here. Yeah. Because actually, over a, a population... Their view was a 13-year-old and above should see this film, but anyone <laughs> under the age of 13 shouldn't see this film. Oh, interesting. And what year was that? Uh, 1984, I think. Ah, well, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Was, it was. <laughs> in, in that context. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, look, if you don't come to the film with all these additional narratives and you just watch it as something, but it is interesting, your particular perspective here. My My view is, if the... Well, Meet the Feebles, actually. Have you seen Meet the Feebles? No. Meet the Feebles is an art house version of Gremlins, but it is very much associated for adults. It's basically ah. puppets having sex and injecting each other with drugs. <laughs> and I think Meet the Feebles, and it's also a Peter Jackson movie. It's one of Peter Jackson's first films. Ah. So Meet the Feebles is the R-rated, what's well, supposed to be the R-rated <laughs> Muppet show, but it has thematic elements associated. So if... Yeah. It, I would, okay, Stone Ape listeners, if you have seen Meet the Feebles previously, it, when I first watched it, and I probably first saw it when I was about 16, I found it genuinely disturbing. <laughs> it's got a whole lot of stuff associated with STDs, drug use, and actually one of the lead characters is a Vietnam vet that has PTSD, a lizard <laughs> Vietnam vet. It is a very, very curious <laughs> film, and from New Zealand, Heron, just like your vampire documentary. Um, so yes, uh, I would think, so in the context of films and their general disturbing nature, 
I mean, Gremlins is interesting in that perspective, but if yeah. you want something slightly more hardcore and art house, I would go with Meet the Feebles. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I'll we'll pass on that. Too. Very good. So no, I, I do recommend um, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, though. I'm uh, just so done with vampires. I can't yeah. imagine. Well, so was I. Don't I've been, I've never. I don't watch vampire movies. Uh, yeah. for, I don't know how I got onto this. I read uh, mm-hmm. a review of it on Internet Movie Database, I guess, yeah. and. Uh, uh, I, you know, and I tried it and I'm glad I did, you know, no one's ever heard of it, but it's just the, the way, I mean, they've given these characters, these four characters, you know, uh, in the, their inner, you know, and it's a fake documentary. So we've been given access to their lives. You can see their little arguments and their, mm-hmm. and their flat meetings because somebody's not doing their chores. Yeah, no, that's exactly the way I would see it. Yeah. yeah and, and it's just, it's just. I just think it was marvelously funny and subtle too, you know, mm. just in so many ways, so many little things, you know, mm. in one case, uh, he's reaching under his shirt because he's, he's wearing this, this silver locket, which burns his skin, but a lover he had gave him the silver thing and he wears it once in a while, but you can only wear it for 30 seconds because it, he starts to burn up. And as he reaches inside of his, uh, shirt to pull it out um, with the smoke you can you can hear the sound of his hand hitting the mic that's under <laughs> that's under his shirt because the documentary filmmakers are interviewing him. yes <laughs> you know and they went out of their way to make sure that that's there and i i'm i assume probably a lot of people i don't i don't know what a lot of people do but i th- that's the kind of level this thing is done on you know it's, very good so. and it's called in the shadows, it's, it's called what we do. What in we do the in the shadows. Well, that's the Heronstone film recommendation, and mine is oh. Meet the Feebles this week, folks. <laughs> Go out, pirate it, download it, and unfortunately, I don't think either of these films are on Netflix. Really, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'll, I'll check the shadows one. Well, there's certainly um, both of them are available on the internet. So, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, Heron, I'm. I don't have any more topics. I'm relatively short of voice. What, what, anything, anything finally? No, I think. Some words of wisdom. Well, this is good timing because I'm almost, this glass of wine is almost empty. One more gulp will, will take care of that. We have a bunch of new listeners. What would you like to say to them? Well, do we? Do wow. Let's assume. Let's look at the best. Well, the best I, they've now. already heard us. Uh, if you, Yeah, you know, uh, I hope you uh, make it to something the end. of value <laughs> that you can use. I can't imagine what that would be, but uh, th- that's why it was so good getting those things from Thomas and Mike, just mm. to realize that somebody out there gets some value out of this. You know, it, it, that's... That's, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a hermit and I only get to talk to human beings once in a while and it's hard to find human beings that can hold up their end of the conversation. So Tom ends up being the guy I talk to. (laughs) By default, folks. Yeah, really, you know, but I'll take what I can get, you know. Um, So I'm here because uh, I enjoy this silliness with Tom mm. and the fact that somebody else um, may get something out of it is well that's that's equally important it's, it's probably more important if if this ah, that's an interesting question would I be doing this if we weren't publishing these well we've had that discussion and I've thought at various times that probably <laughs> some of them have been so bad we probably shouldn't have published them yeah um, but um yeah I've, I've thought about that I mean I genuinely enjoy talking to you I think the dynamic of it being 
uh, you know, internet radio show slash podcast is an interesting dynamic. But I, perhaps I have a perspective that very few of our listeners are as familiar with the catalogue as I am. And certainly most of our listeners are more familiar with the catalogue than you are. So we what, Which catalogue are we talking about? What we record and put out. Oh, the, the Stone Ape catalogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My relationship with this recording and your relationship with this recording are completely different. You come to this recording afresh every week, as if we've not discussed half a dozen other yeah, topics. Yeah, I can't even remember 15. what the hell we talked about last week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, we need a vote, a public vote, to get you to watch Gremlins. So, yes. Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Although next week, you'll be completely afresh again, and we can use the vote technique. That's right, I'll forget all about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, the dynamic between you and me is, is very different, particularly... I mean, it was interesting actually communicating with Lorenzo because I thought to myself, my responsibility, which actually came through the psychedelic salon, and which I've joked about um, with you last week, is putting a kind of sugar coating, a candy coating around the broader uh, (laughs) Gendo themes. But also it's partially about curating it. I mean, it's about finding topics that, you know, lead into these kind of discussions and explore certain aspects of your thinking that, you know, probably wouldn't come out through the 800 I I appreciate everything you do for this like i say this wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you yeah you know if it was up to me <laughs> you know yeah it wouldn't have happened yeah you know? well i think i mean certainly in the recording in the context of the salon i was relatively careful to frame our discussion associated with the insights that you provide and although what we do through stone ape oftentimes is very jovial and sometimes nonsensical what I try to do through this is provide elements of your general talking points yeah. and explore them accordingly with the view that rather than it's your, you know, 800 plus talk shoe recordings are, you know, probably 200 to 400 of them could be distilled down into half a dozen conversations. There are, oh, yeah, there are sure. different yeah. themes, but yeah. it's the same underlying stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested yeah. in basically moving you out. Well, of but it's the same zone. thing with those, though, as it is between yeah. you and me. Uh, what both Thomas and, and Mike were saying, you know, is that th- the sort of real nature of the conversation is, mm. is part of, is not just the subject matter itself. It's, it's you and me. Mm. And I see the same thing, you know, even though I'm in all my old podcasts, I'm saying mostly the same shit over and over again, but it's with a different person each time. And but it's I not the actually, same. I think there's, a, I dare say this out loud, but let me say this. I think you've actually changed your perspective considerably in the past four years. Well, I would imagine I have. One would hope so. But I mean, I think how the, specifically can you can you uh, point out some specifics? That'd be interesting. Well, I think associated with electronic publishing, associated with collating your information, associated with defining your work in a kind of broad project going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things, although you, clearly you've come to some of this independently, have been thrashed out in our discourse by oh, talking yeah. about experiences. Yeah, that well, I've this had is clearly the direction I'm going. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah so, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we can utilize this format as a means. And, I mean, look, truth be told, I never had a female listener prior to recording with you. That might not be the case. But in the majority of You didn't know of any. I didn't know of any. So, you have brought a completely different listener demographic to my general ramblings and probably introduced me to an audience that perhaps would. Yeah. And the thing is, I was very tightly pigeonholed within this whole artificial life thing on one side. Yeah. And then this behemoth that is Model Rail Radio. And certainly the feedback that I've received from listeners of both Model Rail Radio and Stone Ape, this is listeners to both of them, has been that um, they like 
more of what they hear on Stone Ape and wants it somehow to translate into Model Rail Radio. I'm not really sure how that would go. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that. I think they should just be happy with Stone Ape and That's use, use uh, Model Rail for what they use that for. <laughs> My point of feedback. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got a, a format that works there and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't fuck with that. <laughs> Amen. Heron, I'm really, really losing my voice. It's been a pleasure as always. We will not okay. record next week, but the week following, I will no doubt have tens of stories from oh, this good, then I can Radio relax, Exactly. Okay, Sip good. your wine. Okay. Thanks. Pleasure talking as always. Talk in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye.